Can you hear the music? Oh yeah, it sounds great. Oh, I had this made, customized. Nice. Sounds great. I love the rock feel, man. Oh man, it gets Keep me the right, energy flowing. Right am. So pumped. Gets me right fired up to, to do a show, you know? Like, oh, it's got that nice drive to it. You see some good like Instagram reels going off with some motivating shit in the background. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. And I saw an awesome rock this morning. Have you seen T-Pain doing Crazy Train? T-Pain doing Crazy Train? Yes. I got to look that up. I got to find that. Man, it's on Instagram. It's hot. Uh-huh. If you like rock and you see it, man, you'll, you'll, you'll be a fan immediately. Hell, yeah. All right, welcome back to another episode of On the Throne with Dick. And shout out to, you know, Sengen Boychuk for that. Um, did I say Boychuk? Boychuk for that amazing intro outro, uh song you created. You know, we're still trying to get the lyrics added, but like, hey, you know what? Whatever. It comes when it comes, you know. And, you know, just, just like me. <laughs> um, awkward. Um, so <laughs> anyway, uh, big, uh, big shout out to Sengen Boychuk. And on this week's uh, episode, we have David from The Trench, a.k.a. Boom Nation. What's going on, man? Hey, Dick. Thanks for having me, man. Really excited to be here. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. I, uh, I, I love what you guys are doing over at The Trench. And, you know, I love I love everything you guys. I, I follow everything and I'm I'm all about it. So, like, you know, Blue Collar, Blue Collar Podcast. You guys are Blue Collar. You guys have your own podcast now, I believe. Yeah, yeah. We have two series that we're doing. We do one, Boom Nation Presents, which is kind of from the company partner side. So, companies that we do business with, people like we may help with recruiting services for. We allow representatives from their companies to kind of come on and tell their story, what it's like working with their company, being in their uh, industry, working with that trade. And then we have Long Live the Trades, which is kind of more of the craft people themselves telling their story about their journey and what it's like, you know, to do their type of job. Sometimes you get the guys that have started their own business and, you know, have things, you know, kind of propped up and making a go of it themselves. And sometimes you have the guys that are working for the large corporations and they're just happy to have the job that they perform for that company in how they perform. But at the end of the day, it's all about the journey of the individual and having pride in what they do, you know, just being a badass that makes shit happen. That's huge, man. You know, um, blue collar has sort of been shit on a lot over the last, you know, few, maybe since the beginning of time, but definitely the last, you know, couple decades anyway, a few decades here. And it's good to have, you know, someone um, like you guys representing us, right. You know, like, um, like sort of like a face, you guys got a Facebook page, you guys have a newsletter online, you know, uh, Instagram, yep. you know, and I've, I've actually been featured in the trench newsletter, uh, once. So yeah. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. I don't, you've, yeah. You've probably been around longer than I have. I only joined the team back in September. Kind of came over. I worked in the service industry for a while. You know, I had worked most of my career in oil and gas, a lot in the refining and petrochem side of the business. So, you know, a lot of time out at the plants and you got guys from the trades from every different aspect that keep those places running and keeping up with the maintenance. I was kind of focused on the safety side of it. So you know, we were a service provider to each of those companies that were doing the real work. 
And then, you know, I did some work in the soft craft or mixed craft business. So I went to work for one of my clients at the time um, and we did scaffold insulation and paint. So I knew the struggles of trying to keep up with, you know, hiring up hundreds of guys for a turnaround and trying to keep those guys going for, say, 45 or 60 days, you know, the duration of a project or having guys that were working maintenance and you really needed people that were going to be there year round and hopefully year after year. So just kind of taking that approach of being able to shift uh, what the opportunity was from the customer, what the need was and to finding the right type of people that wanted to do that right type of work. Um, so it's really kind of, you know, turned out to be a, a pretty good fit here at Boom Nation where we're just asking people to be themselves. We're not asking, you know, guys to be anything other than that. You know, be proud of the job that you do. Uh, be willing to show up, dedicated to your craft, care about the community that you're in. Have fun is the best part about it. You know, there's no need to be uh, too stuffy about everything. And at the end of the day, we just end up being this community of blue collar skilled workers that didn't really have a place to come together before um, and allow them to communicate and interact with one another the same way that they do at the job site every day. Hell yeah, man. And you know, that's kind of, it's kind of like how, you know, my brand started, right? It's, uh, you know, on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook, right? It was like a bunch of, well, it started off as just me, right? And and it was like, oh, I'm going to make content that makes me feel better about my situation, right? Because, like, I, all I did was work. I was working over 100 hours a week, spent 20 days at home in two years over the course of the pandemic. And, you know, it was like, fuck, I need to do something else, right? I need to, I need an outlet. And that's how you know my content started. Well, I was just making it for me, and then whoever was watching came along. It was like, yeah, that's funny, right? And then it became a place for everyone else, you know, blue collar, oil field, yada yada, to be like, hey, I I I can relate with what you're doing. And you know, it, it became it went from you know it started in Alberta, where I'm from or not where I'm from, but where I live now, and I might as well be from here. But it's it it started in Alberta and then it quickly went out to like, you know, neighboring Saskatchewan and then like the back end and then the Permian and then it, and then it expanded overseas. Right. And, and next thing you know, there's people from all over the world that are in my industry that are, you know, tuning in to see what I'm joking around about and what I'm, what I'm, when I go live they're they're tuning into my live streams and being like, Hey man, I'm here in this part of the world. And, you know, I love your content and, you know, it's, it's become a pretty, pretty interesting community, right? Something like exactly what you guys uh, have, except for you guys have a whole team of people working behind you. And I got my wife, she, she sends me ideas for videos and, and stuff like that. And, you know, it's it's been a wild ride, man. This is going. I think 2024 in November. No, it'll be August. August this year. So in like eight months from now, it'll be four years since I started this. Congratulations! That's a, a great accomplishment. One, it just shows a lot of your dedication of pushing through those times. You know, sometimes you may have conversations with guests. Sometimes you may be thinking to yourself, you know, is this worth it? A lot yeah. of time and effort that you put into it to making it happen and being prepared, but just like everything else in life, you've got to put in those days of the grind to really kind of establish yourself and have something to build on. So, so kudos. Oh yeah. Yeah. Man. Well, the, the podcast is actually a year old this week. So we're, 
we're we're officially a year into it, right? We're 365 days old on the podcast. And like you said, man, I've had amazing conversations with people outside of the content side of things. I guess it's content too, but, you know, Mm -hmm. the reason why I started it is because, you know, on TikTok and Instagram, we see 30 second to a minute long clips of people, right? You don't know nothing about them, right? What? So we start the podcast, you get an hour, hour and a half, close to three hours sometimes of, you know, uh, what this person's about, why they make content and, you know, what makes them tick, you know, what, what interests them. And I, I find that fascinating, you know, and that, that this has gone far beyond anything I could have ever imagined it being right. So were you a podcast fan before you started yours? Is that what generated the interest for you? Yeah, yeah, I was listening to uh, different kinds of podcasts, right? So I was, I'm a big fan of uh, the, the the history of the '90s podcasts, uh, Basement Buddies, uh, the guys out of New York, um, a little bit of Rogan, you know, Theo Vaughn. I've gotten into, oh, yeah. you know, so I was always interested in podcasts, um, you know, and I just never knew where to where to start with my own, right? And and I didn't think, you know until I started doing content and go and live streaming, I didn't think that I could, if this was in the realm of possibility. Right. And, and, you know, when you live stream, live streaming is exactly like podcasting, except for on the podcast, you're, you're, sometimes you can do live. I could have live streamed it, but with the podcast, you, you could say some shit and edit it out. Right. Right. Uh, Before anyone else hears it live stream, you say it, you own it. right? Right. And yeah. 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 And, you know, so my wife and I, we had a debate for a number of years, like I'm sure every other couple out there probably has done, but we had satellite TV forever. And she was constantly, why are we spending so much? Yeah, you know, we're spending like almost 300 bucks a month on satellite. Jeez. And at, at the end of the day, the only thing I was trying to get out of it was we had some, you know, movie channels we wanted to watch. We still had streaming services. I, I like to watch some sports, especially around football season. And then, um, I want to, you know, local channels because we didn't have the antenna anymore. The other way people used to have. And the deeper and deeper I got into podcast, um, the long uh, format, you know, that you're afforded by being able to listen to people have the conversations and see where, you know, discussions take you. I found it to be so much more interesting than the bullshit I was getting from TV. And oh, I could yeah. really find the thing I was interested in that day, as opposed to what some programmer thought needed to be up on the schedule for you know the next hour. And so finally, we just cut the cord and away, went away from it. I haven't missed it one day since. And no. I feel like I'm so much more engaged in everything that I care about because I'm not wasting time following any other bullshit that you know, just doesn't really matter. Yeah, man, exactly. And, you know, the podcasting, the podcasting world is only getting bigger, you know, like it's becoming more and more popular. There's so much out there, you know, blue collar. There wasn't a whole lot of blue collar stuff out there, you know what I mean? And now it's like you're seeing more of it, right? Um, You know, you got the, the, the blue collar barbarians. I listen to that one now. I love that guy. He's coming on the podcast. We were actually supposed to have him on a few weeks ago, but shit happens, you know. Um, you know, we had the blue collar angst podcast on here, the blue, co- Oh my God, blue collar angst. If you want to listen to a phenomenal podcast, the blue collar angst podcast is top notch and, um, you know, oil trash podcast right in my neck of the woods, right? Like he's not far from where I work and I'm going to be on his podcast. He's been on mine. Uh, the second acts podcast, you know, like. 
that guy works in oil and gas and, you know, he interviews other people that are in their second act of life. You know, what they started out doing maybe not necessarily worked out for them or it did work out for them. They just wanted to try something new. Right. And yeah, no, Gord's the shit. I've had him on mine. I've been on his. Uh, I was on his very, not fairly early, like episode 40. That guy's on episode like 130 now or some shit like that. Man. Yeah, man. I, I, I like going on other people's podcasts, you know, like I, I don't have to run the show. I can sit back and let them, you know, do their thing. And, you know, and I, I, but you can also cue into, you know, okay. I got to kind of make it entertaining for them too, a little bit. Right. That's so, right. yeah. Oh, it's always a great opportunity to learn. I mean, it's just like every other thing in life. Yeah, you man. probably learn a whole lot more from the people that you're exposed to and have a chance to interact with than you do from getting any reading any damn book, watching any presentation. If you can just sit down and someone will give you their time, you get so much more from that. And I think that's the same thing that happens with podcasts. We just have the opportunity to record it and share it with anyone. And then for some reason, every now and then we find people that want to listen in. Yeah, man. And so with your guys' podcast, you have a, a big audience on the internet. Right. Like, yeah. Let, let me share a little bit about that audience just growing. And I've been completely surprised by this and happy. You know, I mean, it, it couldn't be going better from what my expectations were going in. But you mentioned, you know, the whole COVID bullshit in 2020 and those things that came around and kind of how it changed things for you and your career. I think it changed for everyone. Right. One of the things that changed for me dramatically was I was the most anti Facebook social media person you would find. And the reason for that was I was so busy with everything else coming in from work. I was getting hundreds and hundreds of emails every day, phone calls. I was in sales. So I'm constantly talking to someone. The last thing that I wanted to do whenever I got home was spend more time on a device, checking in with everybody, caring two shits what they were doing or anywhere else. It was just like, my wife can keep up with that. She'll let me know when there's a party we need to go to. (laughs) Right. But you got separated you know, for that time that everybody was you know struggling to have any connection at all, I thought, well, man, I wonder what my friends are doing. And so I went ahead and signed up for Facebook. Um, from Facebook, uh, around that time, like everyone else, I started worrying about my health a little bit more, got back into the gym, training, you know, bodybuilding, fitness lifestyle, all those things. And so uh, that kind of pulled me over to Instagram because that was the platform that was being used more for people in that industry and with that type of interest. From there, I just kind of became a little bit more involved, a little bit more engaged and found just so much education that I, I never would have received before and that I had missed in the decade you know, prior in the mid-2000s when that just really wasn't a thing. You know, we had MySpace and, you know, everybody was friends with Tom. And that yeah. Was about it, yeah. You know? Tom, we abandoned Tom for Mark. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I didn't even know you. I'd missed, you know, a full damn decade of that, you know, by this time. And um, from that. We end up just as life happens, opportunities come along, careers change, and they end up, you know, with an opportunity to work at Boom Nation. And give you an idea of kind of the scale and reach of what we have, we have uh, the Boom Nation app where people can download that on the uh, Apple App Store, Google Play Store, all those places. We have two hundred fifty-five thousand users of the app. So there's things on there for the news feed, a job board. Uh, recruiting campaigns, things like that, that we put up, opportunity for people to direct message, all the type of things you would find with your typical social platform, plus a couple of features, you know, around recruiting and 
blue collar jobs. But then we're present on all those other platforms that everybody else uses too. So Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, the podcast. Man, we went from uh, a couple hundred thousand of the Boom Nation app users to we now have a little over 260,000 people on the uh, app. Jeez. Across all of the platforms, we just uh, reached 800,000 followers. And then uh, the fourth quarter of last year, if you look at the metrics of where we went from the number of accounts that we reached total, just you know, really capitalizing on the network effect, we went from 30,000 accounts per month, uh, 50,000 accounts per month, to we just uh, exceeded 90, uh, I'm sorry, 1,000 million. We exceeded 90 million accounts reached in the month of December. Wow. Wow. 800,000 followers, right? I didn't understand what any of that shit meant before I came over and kind of you know, got involved with a team that was much better at social media than you know, I ever would have been uh, or had. But then I see the benefit to not only us who's trying to be a partner to the workers looking for a new opportunity, want to engage with one another, but a benefit to the companies that is, uh, they want to reach that community. Right. So they maybe have jobs that they want to offer to those people. Everybody's looking to connect these days. Maybe you have companies out there that want to sell them something. You know, we become that place that they can access a large collection of those people who are actively engaged and, and want to see their materials. So all of those things just kind of see numbers go from the thousands to the millions so fast. And it's all done by content creation. And at the end of the day, the best part is just about being real. You know, you're not trying to sell anybody anything that you don't believe in. You're not trying to put on airs of something that does not reflect who you are and your values and principles. Yeah. Just be yourself and allow those that want to interact with one another to do so. And hopefully, you know, you're all better for it. Hell yeah, man. No, I love that. You know, and, you know, like what I like. Okay. I like that you guys share like other blue collar people's content on your other platform. You're kind of like. Like troll, right? Like troll shares other people's content on their on their thing, and um, you guys do it. There's a lot of people that do it. You guys have one of my favorite things is that newsletter. You know, you're like, not only are you sharing people's content, but you're like, hey, let's do a newsletter about hey, this person here does this, and 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 I, I can't remember. You guys do it weekly or monthly. I think yeah, it's we're coming out monthly, and we're actually working through a relaunch of it now, right? So as, as we've kind of taken our team and kind of – look, I, I'll just tell you where we are. We, we focus a lot on the software stuff that we were doing last year and trying to scale things up to have an operation that we could yeah. build from. And everything that we've done over the past three to four months and going into 24 is refocusing back on the community. So things like the newsletter, right? And so yeah. it's not enough just to put the newsletter out. It's got to be something of substance. It's got to be something that people care about. Now, they may not care about every single article from top to bottom, but you want there to be something in there that resonates with most people as they see it. Because Absolutely. if you end up just putting out bullshit, People are going to discard you like they do everything else, right? So people can uh, see through the bullshit with everything, man. Like, that's right. they, like there are content creators out there that, like, they think they can fool people. Maybe they can for a little bit, but one person finds out how disingenuous you are or disingenuous you are, you're done, right? Oh, yeah. And it's it's crazy, man. How how anybody can find anything out they want about you. They it's the, someone will dig. Yep. Someone has but enough time on their Think about how that is a reflection of the job site. Yeah. Right? 
Oh yeah. Everybody these days wants to hire based off of a resume, an application, how you do in the interview. There's room for some of that. But at the end of the day, the people that know the real difference are the managers and the guys on the job site. When you show up and you say you can operate that piece of equipment or you can weld something together, you better be able to do it. And until you get your ass in the seat and you show everyone what you can do, yep. uh, well, it's really just kind of talk, right? You might be able to talk a good game. But as soon as the work starts to come out, everybody understands who is who real quick, right? And so oh, yeah. the best saying I heard from uh, another uh, partner I've networked with, uh, they do a lot of metal fabrication. He says, real recognizes real. You know, and I think that resonates for so much because – from there, not only does that happen at the job site, that happens with you know pieces of information you may be reviewing, reading, listening to. So for the beginning, something might pique your interest. But if you start to get a little suspicion that somebody's blowing smoke or they're yep. just taking it, always repackaging everything else, that they don't add anything of their own opinion, or their own experience, there's not as much value in that, right? And so you'll just kind of have the casual looker and, you know, passer, uh, they're not going to stay engaged with you very long. And so that, that's the thing that we're trying to get to is we don't have just pride of ownership and things that we create. We are proud of those things, but we want to share the stuff that other people put out too, because there's so many people doing good stuff. And so if we can just be that vehicle to share it with a larger audience and then give them credit for what they've done, man, we'd love to be that megaphone, you know, that place that people can come together to share ideas, have fun at the end of the day, and, you know, hopefully be better off for the information that you get. Uh, and Hell then yeah. you're able to contribute back to the community too. Hell yeah, man. How many people work at uh, Boom Nation now? How many do you think? Oh, geez. Uh, see how how many people like that's a decent sized operation, man. I'm going to say like 12. 12 people. The entire company. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Damn. So well, we're, yeah. we're very, very lean. We're very focused. We're trying to grow. You know, get, but we have people that are very good at what they do. Uh, the founders uh, that started the company all came from industry themselves. They've been guys that have been involved with you know, various parts of construction. Yeah. And they just saw it. At, at the beginning stages, what they saw was the lack of something like a LinkedIn for a blue collar. Right? Damn. Yep. And they knew that there's great value in the things like LinkedIn for so much of uh, society. But at the end of the day, that has probably a lot more uh, application in the professional world to the people that tend to be at a desk, doing a lot of email administrative type stuff, have resumes to share. So you kind of take that to the professional world wherever you want to go. But if you're a welder, a pipe fitter, an equipment operator, what do you need a resume for? Are you going to talk about the last job that you were on? Are you going to talk about the piece of equipment that you ran? What you really need to know is kind of what your work experience would be your certifications, and will your ass show up to work on time or not? Yeah. Can you actually do yep. what that says, right? And so they started with the idea of trying to build the LinkedIn for Blue Collar, and that kind of opened us up to being able to do some recruiting. We have uh, application built for doing like uh, project communication. So kind of think about when you hire new people onto a job site, how do they know where to go? You work in oil and gas, right? That's been your Probably the majority of your career, if not everything. Been there for How many years, different job sites do you have you been to over twelve years? I I can't count. I it's can't count how many. Right? So yeah. uh, with that, one of the things that you always have with new hires is telling them where the hell to go to show up for work. 
If you're going to be going to a site, where's the gate? If you're out in the middle of the oil field, what's the code to the gate to get in? Ooh, all that yeah. type of stuff, right? So yep. took and made software to package all that information to, uh, together to where you can send it to your team. If you have supervision that changes, you can change the contact information for what goes through. But at the end of the day, you're not making anything new. You're just combining all that data into one spot and allowing people to share it. So that's just been some of the features and tools that came out from people that actually work in the industry and said, you know what? We could probably do this a little bit better if we spent some time planning some things. And, and that's really the genesis of, of everything that we have at Boom Nation. Hell yeah, man. And and you're in sales there, right? That's right. So you got sales and then who, who runs the social media? Because like that's huge. You guys' it's social huge. media is man. huge. We, we currently have two people in our marketing department, Sabrina and Savannah. Um, tremendous. I mean, just very good at what they do. They understand content. They understand social media. They work very hard. They engage with other people very well. Um, they're just dedicated to, you know, to what they do. Um, from that, you know, we've got the team of a couple of salespeople. When I say a couple, there's only two of us dedicated to just sales. We have someone in partner success. She also helps uh, with uh, sales and manages some accounts. Our co-founder, Brent Flavin, and then our product team, right? And so uh, all those guys are dedicated on certain aspects of trying to improve the product of what we have, trying to make things better. And then at the end of the day, everyone just kind of pitches in on whatever needs to be done, you know? So we have a sales and marketing meeting uh, on a weekly basis. All of those guys are coming in to participate with that because, you know, we're all wanting to uh, produce a better experience for our community. Well, yeah. whether that's this, well this is their the baby, work. right? This is all your that's baby. Right. 12 people there, right? So, like, it's kind of like tight, tight knit, right? You guys are a family, right? So, exactly. you know, if you guys were like 80 people, 100 people, that'd be, that'd be like, it'd still be a family, but it wouldn't be the, the tight knit like it is with 12, you know? So, yeah. you know, like, it's your baby. It's all of your babies. Right. And, and like this podcast is, is my baby. Right. And hold on a second. My speaking of babies, my daughter had one job over the Christmas holiday and that was to not get sick. And, uh, she got sick while I was home and now I have a runny nose. It's getting better. It's going away, but one, one second, right? One second. Talk about how it's your baby. I just got to blow my nose and I don't want to do it here. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. So yeah, it's it's this this podcast has become become my baby, right? Like I I, and I understand that. Like you know, um, uh, whether I'm in sickness and in health, you know, uh, you know, I'm I'm here. You know, there's a few episodes, uh, like a month and a half ago, two months ago. Every episode, I was like dying. One of them, I had like a big fever. You could see my face was red, and I'm just like. You know, I was like dying, man. But you know, I I I, I chalked it up to I watched I, I I take it back to when my wife first gave birth to my oldest daughter, right? Whether she was sick, whether she was tired, no matter if it was two in the morning or if it was five in the evening or noon, that the baby was hungry, she was there feeding it, right? This this is her baby, right? This is my baby, right? I just got off night shift, right? Like I'd probably be passed out by now, but like, you know, (laughs) there's an episode to be done. You guys are available at this time. 
man, I'm feeding my baby right now. Right. And this is, you know, like it's, and, and I got, I got the sniffles, man, you know, like it's, you know, so yeah. So fuck them kids though. (laughs) Like like, I want go ahead. You go. I've got three of my own. So trust me. Whenever somebody gets something, it makes it run through the house pretty quick. Oh, so uh, boys or girls? We have two boys and one girl. I got two daughters, man. One is six, and one is about to be four here. And uh, I couldn't figure out, you know, my my daughter. She's she's premature, so when she the oldest one, so like when she was first born, she was sick a lot, right? And over the last, you know, since she started school anyway, she's just grade one, you know, since September, there's probably been like three weeks or a month where I haven't been sick, right? And it's like, fuck. And I never <laughs> used to get sick. I could contribute that to one or two other things that's happened in the last couple of years, but we won't go there. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, I watched her when I was at home on days off. She spent uh, four hours in urgent care. And uh, over over the Christmas holiday there, and uh, she's licking the chairs in urgent care. Like, of course you're gonna get sick. She doesn't wash her hands. So every time when I was home, because she, she's in the bathroom, and I'm standing there, and I'm like, "Did you wash your hands? No, get back in there, right? <laughs> licking her hands, licking chairs, licking windows, and just not washing her hands, and uh, hugging everybody, and kissing." everybody and it's like hey that shit's gonna end because like this i can't have this anymore you know like she's just building up her immune system brother that's all it is yeah and you know what that's another thing she's she's four five six she's six she spent half her life in quarantine pretty much you know what i mean like so you know and then making up for lost time now shit no (laughs) kidding and my youngest daughter man she was born two days before the pandemic started so she's She's going to be four here in uh, March. And yeah, man, like her whole life has been COVID, right? So my daughter uh, just turned four in November. So she's very close to the age of your daughter. Them COVID babies are savage, man. Like they, they're, they're heartless. (laughs) (laughs) So you said, what did you say you did before? You were in sales before this? Yeah, yeah, I was I was in sales. Uh, I worked for a company. Uh, you guys know. I mean, I've, I've been to Alberta before with the company oh. I was with at the time. So oh. I came up to Fort Saskatchewan. Oh, went out to the Dow Chemical Facility out there. Twenty minutes yeah. from my house. Nice. It was cold as balls. Oh, you came uh, in the winter. Good for you. Uh, February. Oh you know? man, what year? Do you remember what uh, that year? Probably it was? would have been around fourteen. 2014. Okay, those were some cold winters. Where, I, you know, the last couple winters haven't been that bad. This one, you know, uh, it's getting cold now. But up until like a couple days ago, she was fairly warm. You know, hardly no no snow over Christmas. It was was just weird. Uh, you know, um, fire season. If we don't get cold for longer, right now, fire season in the spring is gonna be nasty, mm-hmm. right? And but. Yeah, man. No, good for Dow Chemical. I did some work at Dow Chemical there back in the day. Yeah, screw piling. Yeah. So I, I worked for a company uh, at the time, Total Safety, if you know who they are. So do a lot of uh, safety services, so some PPE, rental equipment, uh, and then turnaround services. And so we had acquired a company out of Europe that uh, was doing a more modern and better way of doing confined space attendant work. So 
using yep. badge scanners, cameras, gas detection monitors, and things of that sort. And so we were doing some of that work for uh, Dow in the U.S. as we brought that over from Europe. And then we had the opportunity that that business team in uh, Fort Saskatchewan had wanted to explore using that for their outages also because they do so much confined space work there, right? So had the opportunity to come up and meet with the team and That's kind of tell them about those services. So yeah, it, it was badass. What what was your favorite part about Alberta? Uh, man, you know what it is is, and I know other people uh, that have experienced it have seen it firsthand. But if you haven't been there, you don't really know. Alberta is a lot like Texas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The personalities are similar, right? So there's a lot of people that work in the energy sector. Various different things, service companies that go to work at those sites, and then everybody else that's worked in the companies that service those guys, right? Yeah. Uh, you have people that are, I think, just true and authentic. They don't have a lot of time for bullshit. So, you know, you don't have a lot of the other you know, beating around the bush type conversations you might have with someone else. And all the way down to, okay, well, the guys in Alberta may play hockey where the guys in Texas may play football. But guess what? They both have the uh, injuries that they got in sports over time. And they're going to compare stories about that and who could hit harder and, you know, who's tougher and all those things. And, you know, they probably all have a can of Copenhagen in their back pocket. So yeah. there's just so much similarity between guys, you know, growing up in just two completely different environments, but have a, a, a common theme running through you know, the group. Uh, some lip some lip dinner that's it yeah i i've never done uh, i've never tried um chew before oh man i uh whenever i was in school um going all the way back to high school i was a kid that grew up in the country was part of the uh program the ag uh program so a lot of vocational education you know everything from livestock Props and vocational class. So we had metal shop and things of that sort. Uh, ended up going to school at Sam Houston State in Huntsville, uh, Texas, which is just north of Houston. Was going there in the ag program. And uh, while I was in school, uh, worked for a fence company. So you know, we were out building fence for ranches, for farms. And then we started doing residential fences and things of that sort. So that was my first uh, you know, real job in a vocational you know, trade. Uh, but we were just, you know, doing some construction and things like that. And man, whenever you work outside like that, there was nothing like, you know, a good bit of nicotine to kind of help keep you going, keep you, you know, preoccupied. And I bet nine out of 10 guys on the crew, you know, all went through, you know, quite a bit of that stuff every day. Well, it probably helps, you know, like helps get through some stuff, you know what I mean? Like you're preoccupied and whatnot. Cause you know, we talk about it a lot. The podcast is blue collar, but it's also mental health because you know, the two go hand in hand, man, you know, yep. like you can't have one without the other. And, and, you know, guys in this industry or this, this, you know, blue collar lifestyle, you know, mental health, it, it it's a, it's a killer, you know, it, it, uh, we're away from home a lot. We're braving the elements We're sacrificing a lot you know for the betterment of those we love and you know that could often put what you want and love on the back burner and you know i work with a guy or worked with a guy i should say who you know at 65 he woke up one morning and this was very recently he woke up one morning and he, he's looked at where the last 40 years had gone and he's like fuck it's depressing you know like where did mm -hmm. they go 
And he left. He just made a phone call and he was gone. He's like, I got to change my life, man. You know, and, and, and there was a little bit of talk about, you know, other things there. Uh, like, he's like, you know, I don't want to be alive no more. You know, I don't, I don't mm-hmm. want to do this. And he got on some meds and stuff like that. And then, and then he, and then he dipped. Right. And it was like, I, I, I know where he's at now and I'm glad he's doing better. So, you know, shout out to him, but it, it takes, it takes a lot to realize that, you know, especially, you know, his age, that age group there, you know, they couldn't talk about that before. Right. That was, yeah. that was a no go zone. Right. So I'm glad like you know, he was able to step up to the plate and, and realize that there was an issue going on. It's never too late. That's what everybody needs, needs to remember. And so, look, man, look, just a, a good opportunity for me to bring this up. I, I've heard other people talk about it so many times as part of a regular conversation with uh, no matter what business you're in, someone's going to bring it up sooner or later. Everybody thinks, what's wrong with these kids today? What's wrong with the next generation? They're not the same. They're not. Well, guess what? There's some good things that are not the same, too. Right? Yeah. It's not all bad. They are different. Every generation is different. My dad's generation probably thinks that my generation is the laziest, you know, workers to come along, you know, than anyone before them. And I think that's just one of the natural things that you'll kind of always look at the uh, generations to come behind you and you have a tendency to focus on the negative without seeing the positive. Yeah. I see this all the time now whenever you know we're trying to help companies connect with workers um, that are looking for opportunity. And at the end of the day, do you know what the biggest problem that most people have whenever they're trying to recruit people and they're just not hitting those targets, finding the people they want? They're not connecting with people. And so they don't understand how to package the value of what they have to offer, the great opportunity for working at their company, the difference that that type of career can make to the individual and the individual's family, and for the individual to be able to see that and kind of package it to something that they can see the path that they need to follow. There's just a, a, a language barrier. There's values and principles that uh, you know, may be common, but they could be slightly off and need to be adjusted, and it could be perfectly yeah. fine for everyone to work together. Or there could be things that just need to change. Either way, but either the company's going to have to change or the people are going to have to change. One of the two, but you just kind of find you know what your group is. Yep. The one thing that I will say that's a big difference or the generation that's, let's say the people that are out now that are you know, in their early to mid-20s. The number one thing that they're looking for that I hear that is different is they're looking for the experience. And not just the experience on the job, but the experience in life. And so if you went back to my dad's generation, there was two things that they wanted a lot. One, they wanted, uh, I would just kind of put stability and tenure kind of together. They wanted to know that they could go to an employer and stay there for a long time. Yep, yep. And they wanted a very good pay rate to do it, right? And so they were really kind of that first generation to kind of really drive being willing to change from company to company to get the yep. pay rate that they felt they deserved. Kudos to them for that. that. That's great, and it fit you know well for their time. But your friend that's 65, he's from that generation, and that's probably very similar to the career path and the experience that he had. Yep. But he looked back and he saw – some of the things that he's missed. He goes, where has my life gone? Well, you look at that guy that's 25 now, and he's so concerned about experience. Maybe he has a little too much value placed on that, but maybe he's on to something that he sees that his father or his grandfather didn't quite get, and he wanted to do different. So those younger workers these days are willing to take a bit of a cut in pay 
are willing to not work for a period of time or whatever it is to fund and have those experiences that they want to have along the way. So they want to earn enough to have a good living. They want to earn enough to buy the toys that everyone wants and, you know, the standard of living that you're looking for. But that standard of living is much more focused around the experience over their career and their lifespan than I think what my dad's generation uh, appreciated. Right. Hell yeah. So many times those guys in my dad's generation were looking at what you did after retirement, always thinking that you had longer to get there and you build up this nest egg, do all of this work, have everything saved up. And then by the time you become a grandpa, enjoy all the good time with your grandkids. I think this younger generation is looking about, okay, I want to have as much of those good experiences I can when I'm in my twenties, when I have kids at home and then kind of build into a career that you know, I can be proud of at the end of the day. At the end of the day, there's probably not one right or wrong answer. Yep. But you need to understand who you are, the type of company that you want to work with, and the company understand the type of people that they need to keep their business running. Yep. How how old are you? I'm 44. 44. So you'd be but Gen Gen X. Yeah, I'm right at the end of Gen X. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm an elder millennial. So I'm right at the beginning of millennials. And, you know, um, I think the younger generation has, you know, watched millennials and figured, you know, millennials, we we tried to do everything right. You know, we, we we're and we're still in that mindset, too. We're trying to do it all right. You know, where we show up, we give all we have to the company. We stay late. We clock in early. We we do it all right. We, we try to, you know, as we were raised by our parents you do what you have to do for the company and the company's going to take care of you. Right. Well, I think the Gen X, Gen Z, I think Gen Z is looking at that as, as well, where the hell did that get you guys? Right. Look at you guys out there right now. You, you clocked in early, you clocked out late, you, you worked all the overtime they, they could offer you. Um, You, you were a yes man. You, you showed up and you did your thing and it got you nowhere right like there's no loyalty with, with companies to their employers and employees anymore right like they don't they don't give a shit we're just a number right so the you know gen x or gen z has, has seen that and they're like why am i gonna dump all my effort my time and my energy into being that guy when it's gotten them nowhere you know what i mean and it, it, it that's been a that's been a big thing for me i've been here for five five and a bit years over five years at this company that's a long time now for someone mm-hmm. to be in one place right like i've seen the amount of turnover that's come through here and it's like damn dude like five years isn't a long time but it is a lifetime in today's you know standards for an employee yep well man look i think that there's a, a really big correlation between a work career relationship between the employer and the employee yep. and a romantic relationship or dating. Oh shit. You have to go in with eyes wide open and yep. you have to know what your motivation is to be there for both parties. As long as that is mutually beneficial to both parties, it's going to be a good relationship. Yep. And at the time that one starts to, underappreciate the other party whenever one starts to take advantage or whenever the goals no longer align, that relationship is not going to last forever. Not without some type of intervention, 
changing. Maybe you come together and you reset new goals together. But look, we both know we've got friends that have probably been single, lived a bachelor lifestyle, ended up meeting somebody that convinced them to change their ways. And then they ended up making a shift and decided to build a life together. And either they're still together because they're still perfectly aligned or man, as soon as the honeymoon period was over, life became hell and they were looking for the next place to go. Yep. How similar is that to work? That Think is about, fucking go to an interview, right? And the company's going to tell you the things that are good about working there. You're going to know about this new opportunity, new group they're of guys. Honey to to they're honey dicking you. You're honey dicking them. That's right. Everything's good in the beginning. Yep. But once you're there for a little bit, you have that uh, the newness wears off and the reality of life starts to set in. Yep. And guess what? Some companies, their motivation is to keep you around and keep you happy. And they're going to do a very good job of that. And that's the type of place that you need to be. And that's a match made in heaven. Continue on. Glad for you both. Some companies, there may not be that value to them. Maybe it's the ownership structure. Yeah, maybe it's private equity that's involved and you have different motivation to sell the company. Maybe it's a privately owned company that was started by, a, you know, an entrepreneur that wanted to build a brand around the work that he knew how to do. Whatever that, that's going to be a very different experience where you go. So don't go to one company as an employee and think that you're going to be working for an individual when you're working for a group of investors. And then don't vice versa, go the other way and think that, okay, I'm going to climb this big ladder and there's all these different positions that hold along the way. And, you know, the sky's the limit. We're going to go here and do all these things. When in reality with that company, you may have the chance to move up two or three positions over 20 to 30 years, but it's just not structured the same. So if you go to the bar looking for a wife, just know who you're bringing home. Right. (laughs) Yep. If you're looking for someone that has a different set of motivations and a different set of principles, you need to go where those people are. And I think if everyone just be real with themselves and kind of identify that you get what you're asking for a lot of times, don't be unhappy with when you end up with what you've got. Yep. I and, and what you were saying there about how your your um you know the stars got aligned or your goals got aligned, you know. I've been with my wife for 20 years, right? And I'm not even 40 yet. She's not even 40 yet. And uh, we've been together since high school and we've been married for 11 years. And, you know, over the course of that 20 years, uh, our goals have come out of alignment a few times, you know. But, like, you got to recognize when it's like, hey, you know what? We need to have a meeting. You know, we're going to fight about it a little bit, you know. But we got to have a meeting. And we got to get back on the same path or we got to figure something else out. Right. And, you know, we've, we've, our, our relationship works so good. And, and we talk about this all the time. Our communication's amazing. Right. And, um, how I got so lucky or how she got, I should say how she got so lucky. You know, <laughs> how, how did she pull me? You know what I mean? No, 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 no I punched him way up. Uh, my dad's a piece of shit. And, you know, I grew up watching how he treated women. Right. And my wife had to mold me. She saw what she, she saw potential. She saw what I could be, but she saw the task at hand and she should have walked. But like, you know, like she had to mold me into her idea of what I should be. And I had to get on board with that idea, you know, and right. So, you know, try taking a 17 year old kid and being like, hey, buddy, 
you know, I'm putting a leash on you. This is what's going to happen. Right. Like, you know, like good for her, you know, good for her. I I don't think I could have done it, but you know, (laughs) you know, she said something to me and I met my grandma for the first time 10 years ago. My grandma, my dad was adopted when he was a newborn and they found each other after 50 years. And I met my grandma for the first time 10 years ago. And she said something to me that was mind boggling. And it was something very similar to what my wife said. My, 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 my Nana said, um, there's something in you. I see something in you. And I think one day you're going to see it too. And I can't wait to be there for when it, when it shines through. And I'm like, Dad, what the fuck do you know? You're like 80 years old. You know, I don't fucking care what you have to say. Right. And my wife said, shortly after that we're talking i'm like man why the fuck would you stick around through all that bullshit she's like there was something there that i thought was worth fighting for that i thought was worth waiting for you know what i mean she's like i didn't know how long i was gonna have to wait but like i knew if i waited it was patient you know it was it was there and that made me tear up a little bit and you know all those years later like 10 10 10 ish years later man you know like one day you're going to see it in yourself. And, you know, like I started, you know, taking a step back and looking at me like, damn, I'm proud of who I'm becoming. No, thanks to my dad, my wife, <laughs> you know, my wife was part of that. And, you know, that's, that's huge. Right. And it all comes back down to, you know, getting on that same, same thing. Same with my boss. I had a boss. I promise you this story's going to wrap up. <laughs> I had a boss who called me into his office when I was 20 years old. And he's like, Hey man, where do you see yourself in 10 years? And I'm like, I don't know, man, but I hope there's a lot more money there. Right. And I've told this story in the podcast before. He's like, uh, he's like, I see it in you. I know you want to work. You're not afraid to get dirty. You want to get, you want to get in there. He's like, I can't pay you and I'll never be able to pay you what you're worth. He's like, but I can help you get to there. Right. And he's like, the best, the best piece of advice ever was given was this from this guy. He said, patience. The money will come. You just put the time in and it will come. Right. And man, the dude was so right. Like, you know, I use that job as a stepping stone to the next job and that job is a stepping stone to the next job and so on and so forth until I got to where, you know, I am now. Right. And I was looking for a job when I found this one. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still looking, I'm always looking. (laughs) And so, you know, I, uh, it all comes down to, I'm, I'm happy where I'm at. I'm content, but like maybe, maybe, you know, that's become a problem too, you know? So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely looking, I'm definitely looking to move up. So, you know, I'm, I'm better off than I was like 10 years ago, but like, I still feel like there's more of a ladder to climb. So. You know, the one thing that I think so many people just kind of get wrong and, they're naturally going to get it wrong because there's no roadmap to show you how to do it perfectly. You kind of have to fill it out as you go and hit the bumps. That's right. And, and there's, that's the only way to really learn. You might learn some other things along the way, but you're going to have so much more that comes from the experiences than anything else. Um, for that younger generation that we're talking about and they ask, well, where did that, get you? you know, how did that work out for you? Well, guess what? You know, whatever, you're starting out, you need to have some skills to be able to build from. So that's why you go to training. That's why you sign up as an apprentice. That's why you try to learn from those that are a little bit older uh, older than you. Um, That's what it takes to go to work, have the opportunity to learn the next thing. 
because we all want to have those people that have ambition that want to do more. They want to build a good life. They want a nice standard of living. They want to be proud of their career and all of those things. Now, ambition for some may be they want to reach the top level of the organization and either own their own company or, or be CEO one day. That's perfectly fine. You kind of set your goals where you need to and you build there. And you want to be able to demonstrate your ambition whenever you get involved on the job because you want other people to know and recognize that you want more than just what you had today. And ultimately, you want the money and the responsibility you know, that comes with you know, that move uh, upward. But also you want that sense of accomplishment to be able to look back on that career and say, you know, I started here and I built to there. But the problem that we end up with so often, and I think this is probably more so for men than it is for women, is ego comes in. And whenever ego comes in, you may have the desire to want to do something, but you do it from a position of pride. And whenever you have too much pride, that comes across uh, more strongly than confidence you end up having this problem where ego outstretches ambition and it can be interpreted by the other people in the organization in the wrong way. So it would be nothing wrong with people saying, you know what, that guy, he's really ambitious. He's going places just like, you know, your grandmother probably shared with you, but I see something in you, you want something more, but whenever you ever heard it, heard it in a good tone, when somebody says, you know what, that guy's got a big ego. I've never heard it in a good tone, you know, but like, but like there is a, there is, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with having an ego either. Right. Like I've come to realize this, you know, um, on social media, especially, you know, you get, you get guys, just normal guys like you and me. Right. And then we start getting a following and the views come and the likes and people are like they recognize you out in public and like you know like oh you're famous right that come you got to keep that ego in check but like mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with having a little bit of an ego you're always going to have a little bit of an ego it's impossible not to right um and i've i, I denied it for a little while someone's like man you got a bit of an ego and it's like no i don't what the hell are you talking about they're like hey whoa whoa i'm not saying it's a bad thing right you know, you, there's going to be egos when once you start, you know, climbing up there, no matter if it's at work, if it's on social media, right? You get good at what you do. There's going to it's going to come with an ego. Right. But are you willing to tame that monster and 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 be and, and use that ego for good? Right. You know what I mean? Like, is your ego going to be a cocky motherfucker or is your ego going to be like, hey, man, I have the skills to help you get better, too. Right. And like, yeah, I know what I'm doing, but I'm also humble about it, right? And yep. yeah, so, you know, I'm, I'm cocky enough to know that, okay, I made this video last year, I'm cocky enough to know that they'll it'll take three people to replace me at work, but humble enough to know, um, how'd that go? I'm, I'm humble enough to know that, okay, I'm humble enough to know that I'm replaceable, cocky enough to know that it'll take three, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. And look, I I think there's nothing wrong at all with being proud of a job well done or accomplishments that you've had. Yeah. You just got to be willing and able to back it up. And then at the end of the day, we all rely on someone else to help us with various things that we have to do, you know, throughout life. For someone that's always seeking the attention and the affirmation for everything that you do, you don't give the space for anyone else to shine. And so if you can find those that 
have great capacity and uh, capabilities also to work alongside and you support one another, you both go further with it. That's what the podcast has been all about. Collaboration with other people. Um, Who said this to me? I think it was on the Blue Collar Angst podcast. Those at the top are collaborating. Well, those at the bottom are competing, right? They're, there's, they're gatekeeping in a way, right? And that's... Too protective and closed off from everyone else. Yeah, man, that's insane. Hey, I got a question for you. Yes, sir. Do, do you know what viscosity is? Uh, I understand, you know, the, the thickness of you know, the liquid and how fast it can move. The thickness of the liquid, yeah. the thickness of the load, right? How thick yep. is your How thick is your load, right? Yep. And the, where I'm going with it is the podcast is sponsored by Mudman. The Mudman deals in viscosity uh, on the drilling rigs, right? So, like, you know, yeah. how I, how thick do you need that mud down hole, right? So, uh, for all your drilling fluid and laboratory testing equipment needs, the Mudman's got your back. www.themudmanmarket.com. He changed his website name there not long ago. So, mudmarket.com, I think it is now. Yeah. Heck yeah. Hell yeah, man. So where does I I don't know if you if you know but like where does boom and the tr- and the trench where where do they see themselves going from where they're at right now what are in the future plans Yeah so we have big aspirations for all of uh this year and uh what that looks like is we want to uh improve the in-app experience so that we have a better reason for people to come to that app that we're building for the community and for the partners. We'd love to see the number of, excuse me, downloads for that grow. Um, but we don't only want the number of users to grow. We want to see the regular interaction and engagement improve. And for that. From the people that are already there. In the platform. That's right. Yeah. And it's not just enough. We don't want to just play a numbers game where we're just trying to run up some metrics so we can say, hey, everyone, look at the number of followers yeah. or you know participants that we have. We want to have something of substance to where we become, in, in one aspect, the source of truth. So you kind of really know what's going on. You really know where opportunities lie. You really know what people are talking about. So that's why you have things from the news feed and the app the trench newsletter, all of those other things, the posts that we put out on LinkedIn, which tend to be a bit more on the professional side of, you know, uh, communication with partners and clients and things of that sort. But we always want to stay focused on delivering for things, looking through the lens of the worker. So often as companies begin to focus on the growth and and wanting to make their company more successful, look, we do not hide from it one bit. We want to be profitable. We want to make revenue. We want to grow our company. But we want to do that by being service to the community, not using the community just to achieve that goal. We we, we see the opportunity for us to grow as an opportunity to grow the community and give them a better quality product than what they've had before. It just takes money to do those things, you know. So, uh, you know, with that, we've taken an approach, uh, especially at the end of this last year, into – Changing the way that we looked at recruiting. In the beginning, we had a job board. We still have it there. People can post jobs. People can come on and apply and do things like that. But we do a lot of social recruiting. And because of the material that we put out on all of those other platforms, the podcast and everything else, we become part of that daily um, 
interaction that people have with you know their mobile devices and their social platforms that they go through. And so we want to present opportunities to those people who may be looking for their not next job, their next opportunity. But we also want to be able to reach those people that they may not be looking today, but if the right opportunity came along, it might be a good fit for them, right? And so they may take a few minutes to uh, apply for a position when they did not even think about doing it that day. And not because we're trying to hard sell them for a job, but it just might be something that ends up being a match made in heaven that didn't they didn't even know that that company existed or it was available in that market or they could get that pay rate to do that particular job, whatever the case is. And so we're trying to build all those experiences uh, to make them better, not only for the worker, but for the partners also. The problem that we see with so many people in recruiting, we kind of talk about having a different message, you know, yeah. between the company and the applicant and the way things go. Um, every company out there has a tendency to do these things. They think about things in the language of their company, in the way they think through their processes. So if they think about a position, they're probably thinking of the title of that position in their HR system what the you know typical job description looks like, all the way down through to you know if you hired into the company and you came in at this level, you probably went to this position next and that and whatever that progression plan looks like. Well, if you don't work for that company, you don't fit that model exactly, and that doesn't mean that you couldn't be a value to that company or that the company may not need you. But what you really need is you need to be able to attract people that could be interested. Uh, in a quick manner, if they decide to take action to get just enough information that it takes to go through uh, the steps of qualification, to find out if you're even interested in one another or not, and then move on to the next steps of you know hopefully getting a job and joining a team and you know building a great career. Um, too many times, everyone wants to jump those steps. They want to go all the way through who's interested, who's on board in one fell swoop. You know, you don't go from a blind date to a wedding. Yeah. Right? Well, there was that one time on that show <laughs> during the pandemic. There's always yeah. Vegas. <laughs> but, um, how, how often does that end up being a good experience for everyone? It usually ends up in disaster more than anything. Yeah. So uh, if you look at the way job boards have been done, they're typically a pretty bad experience for recruiters, right? Yeah. Why do uh, recruiters hate job boards? They hate them because of the results they get from them. They get so many applicants and very few qualified people. And then if you look at workers, guess what? They hate job boards too. You know why? Because the experience. How many times do you know those people that need a job today? They go through and they apply to 50 jobs and they don't get a call back from anyone. It's happened to me. All the time. Right. It's so frustrating. So if you have both people that have a bad experience with job boards, why do they even exist? Well, part of the reason is there's still a need to communicate some of that information. There's still going to be people that come through that way. That's fine. Use it how you need to. But look for ways to do things differently. And so that's how we got into the social recruiting tour. We still have our job boards. We still participate with that. We have some ties to ZipRecruiter and you know, places like that where uh, we can help pull in jobs for applicants. We can also post things on ZipRecruiter if, if need be. And depending on the positions, it's going to be different results that you get with all the different variables that you can play in. But at the end of the day, if you have an audience that's made up of people from that 
community of workers that have the skills and the qualifications that you're looking for, you can probably get through with about five or six questions, what you need to know to then have a conversation about, are you a fit here or not? And then we can go through the additional steps of onboarding and hopefully adding you to the team. You don't have to go from step one to 10 immediately. Take a couple steps along the way and the experience is probably better for both parties. Yep. And you know, um, it's happened a couple times that I've heard of, and I've done it a couple times where, you know, people are using social media too, right? Like what you guys are trying to do, but like TikTok and, and Instagram, right? Where like people have reached out to me, and be like, hey, you looking for a job, right? Because they know that I already work in the oil field. They obviously, I got experience, I showed in my videos, right? And right, so they're like, "Yay, you looking for a job? We're hiring, right?" And or I've I've recently applied for um, let's talk about a crane operator apprenticeship, right? You know that's going to be a decent little road, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. I hope it's. I think she said she's going to call me back in like the new year sometime, so that could be anywhere between January and December. So I don't know. The new year is a very vague statement. <laughs> so like, um, whatever. I I'll stay here till they get the call, but. <clears throat> Sorry. So I, I applied for another one, but I also met that guy through here. And then, you know, I, I, I've seen him on site a few times and I'm like, and I've built a relationship with him in person as well. He's seen me work in person as well as, as my videos and stuff like that. So that's another position I'm, I'm, I'm kind of looking at, you know, whatever one sort of calls first and whatever, you know, whatever one best suits my family and I. Right. So, um, the internet's been a wild ride, man, like for everyone. It is. And, you know, we hear the numbers of people kind of going into the trades and leaving the trades and everyone talks about the shortage of people coming out and all. Oh, yeah. I think there's some truth to, well, I think there's enormous truth to the fact that there's a tremendous amount of opportunity in the trade. I think there's some truth to, we may have more jobs than what we have workers in some trades. But I don't think that the problem is necessarily as bad and dire as advertised. I think people take bits and pieces of information and they make these extravagant stories over them. At the end of the day, we still know people that are going to vocational school, getting certifications, wanting to come out and begin a career. We know people that are going in joining unions, going through their apprentice programs, you know, coming out to be journeymen and you know, take that whole path that goes uh, along that way of, of learning and career development. And then you have those people that were, maybe they started in college and they either uh, achieved a degree or they got through a few years and stopped just short and they start to ask themselves, is this the way that I want to continue the path or maybe I just want to go to work and do something else? All of those things, people are constantly moving in and out. And at the end of the day, I'm pretty confident in one thing. I'm confident that the market will settle itself. Right? Just like that reminds me of when Justin Trudeau said the balance will budget itself in Canada. You know, like, hey, (laughs) maybe I hope hope that the the balance, yeah, the, the market will settle itself is a lot more true than what, you know, the debt's fucking paying itself down here. Well, well, man, think about this. So you guys have all type of natural disasters that come up. You talk about fire season could be really bad. And I know oh, you yeah. guys had tremendous fires this past year. Yeah, I got evacuated um, twice. 
It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, California has their wildfires that go over that way. Where I'm at on the Gulf Coast, we have hurricanes that come through. And now, just last night, there were tornadoes uh, not too far from us. And it's just all these things that come up, right? Yeah. So uh, every time that happens, uh, a, a basic thing to look at is what happens with the power and utilities, right? I know from hurricane experience in the past that we've had time periods where power was out for three plus weeks. That's insane. Yeah. Especially in August and September in Texas, where it's blistering hot, extremely humid, all these other things that go along with it. And then trees are down everywhere. You need to do the cleanup. But those trees being down is the same thing that took down the power and utilities. So at that time, what is the most important thing to everyone? One, I need running water. You know, from a house, and it's usually running as long as you can be inside. And then AC. In order to have AC, you got to have the power up and running. And people would pay whatever it took to have that restored to their house. And so you have linemen from around the country show up, and they come in and they get paid tremendously all the emergency response pay that those guys can justify. And why do they get paid that? Because people are willing to pay whatever it takes to have the system back up and running. So yep. if you just kind of take that as an example to what's going to happen whenever you know there ends up being a shortage of plumbers. We have problems, you know, recruiting plumbers in certain markets. Uh, you know, whenever you kind of look around, whatever the certifications go. If locations, say location geographies, have trouble getting too many plumbers that meet a certification requirement, they're either going to produce some type of uh, training program to bring people in. They're going to open up reciprocity to other states to allow craft people to come across and begin working in their market yep. or the rate is going to go up the day that the rate goes up to where you make more money working on a sewer drain line than what you do in a professional desk position guess where most of those people are going to go that have these expectations of a standard of living they're going to go to the trade exactly right and they're so end up in I, the I sewers. Think, yeah that's right and so um Everyone, I believe, has faced similar exposure over the past several years. Let's say the past 20 years. They wanted this career path to be you finished uh, school, you went to university, you got a degree, and you didn't have to work these blue-collar jobs. Well, guess what? That's not for everyone. That's for a lot of people, and it's great for the ones that it fits. But anytime that you end up with too much supply of people with that, uh, set of skills and not enough people with vocational skills, you're going to diminish the value of all of those people with degrees that can do the similar type of jobs. And you're going to increase the value of people that actually have the vocational skills to work on your air conditioning, to get the power back up and running, to make your uh, plumbing run, you know, water in, sewage yep. out, you know, all those important things. And so, you know, how often do you go to a restaurant? And you end up having a conversation with a server and come to find out they spent some time at university. They may or may not have a degree. They came out of school and they just didn't have the opportunities presented to them that they thought they were going to have. Yep. Almost all the time that's people coming from university experiences, right? And it could be junior college all the way to, you know, major, you know, four-year program. How often do you hear about somebody coming from the trades waiting tables? Not a lot. Why is that? Because they made enough money. They got a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of growth, right? Why Why would you leave somewhere where you can grow a lot, right? 
Well, you hear a little bit about like from the you see someone older doing it. You're like, yeah, man, my body gave out. I couldn't do it no more. I didn't take care of myself. Yada yada yada, you know. And or or it was time for a change. Yeah, you hear a little bit of that, but never from a younger person that being like, yeah, man, I I quit my job as a journeyman welder to work at this restaurant bussing tables. Yep. Yep. Never. And look, I think you know part of that is those trade people, they're not saddled with the debt either. They didn't spend four or five years going into debt, working less hours, yeah. coming out with a degree, and then having limited uh, earning potential in the beginning. You know, careers, obviously, the upside could be more, but they just didn't achieve that level. If, if they did, that's not where they would have ended up at this point. So many times, those people that could be in their early stages of their career come out, go into the trades, they're earning money from day one. Yep. Now, it might be in a, a lower range of, the, you know, let's say, 20-something uh, dollars per hour. But by the time they have five years in, that $20 per hour has probably come somewhere near the neighborhood of $30 per hour. They've probably been working a ton of hours over that time, and they don't have all the debt to go along with it. So yep. They're set up very well. They can now start their own business if they want to take that route. They can, uh, can become a senior craft person in a company. They may just be a supervisor that's overseeing guys of what they were doing 10 and 15 years ago. Yep. And so you kind of look at those things, and I think that there's a likelihood that those guys have more job satisfaction maybe than some people that took a different path. Oh, yeah, I get to see – I get to see nature like every day, man. You know, like some of my office view changes all the time. I can't count the amount of times this winter alone that I've watched the Aurora Borealis dance up in the sky above me while I'm working, right? Like, damn, man, that's beautiful, you know? I've gotten awesome. pictures of it and, you know, it's 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 wild, man. It's wild, you know, like you can't get those kind of views in a cubicle. No, no. Well, man, I'll I tell you something, and this is going to age me a little bit, but some of the things that I went through. So uh, my degree in school was for agribusiness and I've ended up doing very little with agriculture after graduation, but I kind of went in environmental uh, because of a career or a job I had in uh, my final year of college and then worked from the environmental over to oil and gas is just the area that I live in where the opportunities existed. But I remember those first five or six years of my career uh, reality TV was just becoming kind of serious. The there real was this life. show called um, Orange County Chopper. You remember oh, the yeah. father yep. and son building yep. the really cool bikes and everything? Oh, yeah. Well, I remember sitting there late at night whenever I'm trying to do this turn as a young salesperson, trying to uh, you know grow clients, trying to establish myself. And I get to see these guys go into a project to build something that they really care about deliver it to the customer at the end of the day and be able to say, here's your bike that you asked for. I hope you enjoy it. I'm moving on to the next one. And it has such, in my mind, a sense of accomplishment to take a project from inception to development, completion, and delivery that they were able to kind of, you know, turn through the different steps and be able to move on to the next thing and take lessons learned. And then right. I kind of look at what I was doing, the environmental work at the time, and I was like, Man, there's no end to this. It's just like, okay, we're going to do this for compliance today. We're going to do that for compliance. Tomorrow. There might be an emergency job that pops up, but what are we doing? We're testing some more soil or water or, you know, you know whatever comes through. And 
all those things need to be done. But I found myself wanting to have that sense of accomplishment of a project to look at from you know the stages of completion. And then you kind of think about, you know, fast forward to where I'm at in life these days, kids of my own and kind of enjoying you know, a lot of the humor that goes along with uh, you know, dad jokes and you know things like that. And you think about dads in construction. What's the one thing that they all do if they're driving through town? They point out to the kids, I built that. I built yeah. that. I built that. You don't get to do that when you're in a sales position. What are you going to say? Well, I sold them their testing supplies. I sold them their PPE, you know, and those things. And yeah, so pride being involved with those things. But on the grand scale of things, I, I kind of think that the guys in the trades have, you know, a, a better sense of accomplishment for that and, yep. and something to be proud of. Yep. And if you take care of yourself, your body's not going to blow out, right? You're, you know, you, you hit the gym. You don't, maybe you try sobriety, you know, uh, eat don't don't stop at the gas station and get like yeah that's a hard one you know like i i don't do that but like you know i i don't like spending money so I well, let me ask you something for that all right so this is something i ask guests all the time whenever i get to have a conversation i'm just curious i'm the guy that i live with uh if i'm on the road i have food with me all the time i'm still eating my five or six meals a day every day yep. and you know uh using every gas station uh microwave i can find along the way if it's time to eat it's time to eat for you, what's in your lunchbox on a daily basis? What's your go-to? So, so for me, I'm in camp, right? So camp supplies me with all my food, right? Like and uh, and and a place to sleep here behind me. Um, you know, on night shift, I don't really eat that much, right? I'll take an apple, I'll take a sandwich, uh, grapes if I can, uh, a snack. Sometimes a camp cookie or, or um, yeah, which we call it. My wife actually made me cookies before I came back, so I have those. I'm kind of getting through um you know so i'll throw a sandwich in there and if i i kind of have a feeling if it's going to be a late one because i work on a i work on a back truck so like you know there's sometimes we're work 40 hours into it 40 hours straight 30 hours straight you know uh, i did 18 18 last week so you know um but right now we're on a project it's 12 so i know okay my shift's over at this time and um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll take a sandwich, I'll take a snack, I'll take apples, whatever, yada, 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 and a bunch of water. Um, but, yeah, on nights, I, I can't I can't eat, right? It's like, you know, I my body's just, yeah, I, I'm conserving that energy. I work a little slower, I still get it done, but, like, you know, I don't need that much food. On days... Yeah, sometimes I'll pack an extra sandwich. I'll be like, hey, you know what? Like, if I get through this, I get through this. If I don't, I don't. It's no big deal, right? So, yeah, I I try to do that. And uh, I have another job that I work at uh, in the summertime. I work road construction in the summer. I come back here in the winter. Been there for eight years. See? It's, you know, like, that's, that's rare, right? Yeah. And uh, there I got to make my own food, right? So... It depends if my wife's with me or not, but my wife will follow me around on the road sometimes because she can stay the week in a hotel with me or whatever, and my kids will come. Um, she'll make my food. Then then I'm living good, right? Like, there's, like, a nice sandwich, like, fat sandwich with all the homemade ingredients on it. And, like, she'll bring cookies. She'll bring apples, bananas, oranges, grapes. I have a big lunch, and I, I can't even get through it all. Right. Like sometimes I save half that lunch when she's with me. Sometimes I have to save half the lunch for the next day. 
right? And uh, but when I'm by myself, it's like you know what? Sometimes I go for sustenance over quality. There's like uh, you know what? I I didn't get time to make my lunch today. Fuck it. Two two pieces of bread, piece of bologna on it, maybe a squirt of mustard. Put it in a bag and let's go. <laughs> you know, like yeah, you know, it's like ah. Uh, she keeps when she's there she keeps me honest so she's like maybe you should make your lunch the night before and i'm like nah i just worked 14 hours 15 hours i i don't want to make my life. i got other shit to do tonight right i'll i'll rush at it in the morning you know yeah so yep. same with same with having a shower you know like i'll have one at night most if i'm really dirty i'll have one at night but you know if i didn't get all that dirty i'm gonna save that shower for the morning right and a lot of people think that's gross too right like you know, I just sweat all day. I'm jumping in my... They change my sheets every other day in camp. So, like, you know, it's whatever. <laughs> I don't do yeah. that when I'm at home. My wife makes me shower. But, like, you know... She wouldn't put up with that shit. No, no, not at all. <laughs> my daughter even calls me out. You smell bad. Like, thanks. Thanks, kid. Appreciate that. Go lick another window. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, man. Yeah, no, I, lo I love that. So, like... Do you know, I, I don't think we talked about it, but do you know like the humble beginnings of, of Boom and, and well, the trench, right? Like two two dudes or one dude in like a garage or a basement just sitting on the couch, you know, I'm going to put this this thing together on my phone, you know, sort of like uh, sort of like how I how I assume Troll would have started, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd say so really what it was is there's uh, three guys that were friends uh, in college. They were all going to LSU. Um, I know a couple of them were from the Lake Charles market. Hold on. Can you Korea. say Louisiana for me? Oh, yeah. Uh, Louisiana. Louisiana. I love when yeah. Americans to say, when, when, when people that are down south say Louisiana. If you talk to people from the other side of the border, they may say Louisiana. Louisiana. <laughs> you know, so, Louisiana. Uh, it's all different types. And then it's always interesting whenever you go through Louisiana. So there's three different uh Groups of speech as you go through. You have the western part of the state, uh, which they tend to be a little bit more country, and kind of the cowboys, and you know everything through there. You'll have the uh, Acadiana, which is like, say French. Lafayette through the middle. You know, so a lot of French, and then you get over to New Orleans, and it's a bit more Creole. Uh, and then you know, most people from around New Orleans kind of have uh, a Bronx-sounding accent. There's a lot of similarity there. You know, people may call New Orleans you know, the Bronx of the South, but they end up dropping the last letter off, you know, many terms. So it's just kind of funny kind of where you're at in the state, you know, how the uh, the, the accents can change. But, uh, yeah, they, they were all uh, students at LSU. They had worked for companies that were involved in the ener uh, energy sector uh, as they were going through school. And uh, – they're all you know, just a few years younger than I am, so they were more involved with digital media and creation and things of that sort. And they started looking at what was missing, you know, what was different from the experience they were have, having coming out of university, going into their first career uh, you know, positions with companies that were involved with the industry, coming in with a degree versus what they had whenever they were the guys on their tools and working in different positions. And was there an opportunity to improve what was available to workers? And there so, it is again, yeah. All yeah. that just kind of came back to they were doing it from their experience, and that's what led to us doing things through the lens of the worker is trying to constantly 
refocus back to what makes a difference for the community, not just for the company itself. And then yep. being dedicated to the focus, that's what what's good for the community will be good for the company as well. That's and that is fucking so true, man. Like, you know, like if if it's kind of like I don't want to take it to politics, man, but it's kind of like what's what's good for the people. If the people are happy, you know, generally it's easy to govern, right? You know, you got no restlessness, you got no uprisings, right? If if the people in the community are 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 you know satisfied and and can find what they're looking for, you know what? The the community itself, happy happy worker is is a productive worker, right? That's Boom. Right. Yeah, and then you know, so many times. Really cool things, really innovative things have come from a, an extreme need, right? Oh, yeah. So whether it was an overreaching government that made things too hard on workers or companies, or maybe it was a trying time. I mean, look at just of all the things that we can say that were negative around the shutdowns and slowdowns of 2020 and the months to follow. Imagine if that would have occurred in 2010. Man, we would have been shit out of luck trying to work from home, trying to be able to have virtual meetings, yep. podcasts, all those things. We would have gone yep. crazy probably. Yep. But you oh, fast yeah. forward to what was available in the market and then the innovations. Everybody kind of refers to Zoom, you know, as kind of uh, the standard bearer for virtual meetings and things uh, of that sort. But the workplace changed. Products were developed. Companies were structured different and things just kind of rebalanced. And guess what? We're still getting through it. Uh, supply chain ended up being an issue for a while. They seem to have got a lot of that figured out by now. Prices have gone up. You know, there's all these other things that you know are side uh, effects of things that happen and, and changes that occur. There's been a lot of innovation that's come along to make things better too. Yo, definitely, man. Like, oh, I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but like, um. You, you know, you just know that they're there, right? And um, fucking, yeah, just, I, I, it takes me back to uh, what, you know, I was talking to a buddy about um, the pandemic, what, what else it was good for with the worker, right? And, you know, I had a buddy who told me, you know, he got out of high school, he got his girlfriend pregnant, and he needed to join a trade to get good money, right? Because he had a kid. And he was young and he needed to pay for that life. Well, fast forward like almost 20 years, right? Pandemic hits, right? And what did it, what did the pandemic show? Well, he got laid off. Oh shit. You know what? I don't need to make that kind of money anymore to, 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 to live my life, to, to get ahead, to, to be able to afford to live. He's so he's like, I always had a passion for something else. Photography, right? So, he jumps into photography. His kid's a little older now, and he doesn't have to dole out all this money all the time. And uh, boom, you know, he's happy. He's he's doing photography. He left he left the trades. He 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 doesn't need to be there, right? He doesn't need to be living lavish and uh, be out on the road all the time, away from home, sacrificing. You know, he could be right where he wants to be when he wants to be there. Pandemic awesome. helped him see that. That's insane, right? Like, and yep. it, it showed. Uh, we also talked. I don't know if you've seen the guy on TikTok, the Night Shift Champion of the World, Grayson Magaha. And he's been. He was on Night Shift for almost twenty years straight, 
And uh, God bless his soul. He's been on my podcast. He turned into a really good friend of mine. Lives in uh, North Dakota. No, no, North Carolina. Not North. It was one of the Norths. So, the other end of the country. Yeah, the other <laughs> end. So he uh, he was saying, you know, a lot of people went from um, what was that? Um, uh, the wording. How how was that word? A lot of people went from you know, um, essential to, um, you know, expendable overnight with the pandemic. Right. Yeah. And yeah, that, that, that really hit too. Right. Cause you've seen it. Everyone just like, Oh shit. You know, you're, you're, you, you know, you're, we need you. You're essential. We, we, you're, you're the best. We love you. Right. To, well, our profit just took a hit, you know, like you're expendable. And then they turn, then they turn like record profits right it's That's it was right. an insane time it was just an insane time for everyone and i think the workforce woke up to that too right it showed the workforce really learned its value and and what it should be looking for right and as well like how do you value yourself versus how does the company value you I can tell you it's very different <laughs> well and i hope that some people would have had a good experience with that too right and they can look back and they know if their company kept them on board, on staff, paid them, did what they could, and you know, didn't try to take advantage of the worker, but try to, and I, I've got to tell you, I've had good experiences and bad experiences, both. Yeah. yeah. In those trying times, I've really had the opportunity to learn more about what good look like. So, for example, I talked about hurricanes earlier, uh, where I live back in 2017, uh, Hurricane Harvey hit. And flooded my entire neighborhood. When I say my neighborhood, like over 500 homes all had water in them. I had five foot of water in my house. I was working for that soft craft company at the time. Scaffold builders, insulators, and painters. They couldn't go to work because the plants were shut down. They all had emergency outages. All that stuff had been washed underneath. And so the company, not just the workers, but uh, multiple of the vice presidents from the company and the guys that worked at the job site were at my house the day they allowed us back into our neighborhood, which was five days later. Now, that's how long we had standing water in. And they were there to muck out my house, immediately had all the sheetrock, everything tore down to the studs, all the other shit carried out to the street to where by the end of that very first day, my house was drying out. And anybody that's been through a flood situation knows that's the most important thing is you've got to get it out and get it dry before the water's had a chance to, you know, have its effect, especially with mold and all the other things. Yeah. And that company allowed me to work on getting my house back up and running, uh, get contractors lined out to come through and start to do the rebuild, uh, all the things they could do. But on top of providing those things, which really, you know, financially made a big difference for me, the fact that those guys showed up, and they were in there swinging hammers, knocking out the sheetrock too. That let me know exactly the type of guys that I was working with. Yeah, it wasn't just a number, you know, in a group of employees. They actually cared about me, and they cared about my family, and they cared about those workers too. Because the guys that were on the crew, they weren't getting a paycheck whenever the plant wouldn't let them come to work, but the company paid them to come to my house and tear those things out. So it was just like a, 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 such an awesome opportunity to really see people's hearts uh in the right place that i benefited from it so it felt like it was the right place but 
it made such a difference to me and my family that I will never, ever forget that about the company or the, and especially those guys that showed up. Hell yeah, man. For us, man, my daughter was born two days before the pandemic. I was already at home, right? And I, I already wanted to take a month off, right? So I was off for a month. And then 12 hours before I was supposed to fly back, my boss calls me and he's like, hey, don't come back. You don't, don't fly back. We're going to lay off. He's like, you stay home. Anyone that's going to fly in and out of the province and across the country, like, we're just keeping home. Being on a plane is not safe. I'm like, okay. So I was at home. But the deal was, he's like, while you're laid off, he's like, we're going to let you keep your benefits, your your health and stuff like that. Right? So he's like, take it. You know what? Like, enjoy your family. Relax. Chill out. So I'm like, all right, cool. When I went back, I lost. Uh, I think it was 20% or something like that in my pay. Took 20, which ended up being like two bucks. I lost $2, something like that. It was like $2 I ended up uh, being cut back. But I stayed busy, right? So like it was keep my $2 and, and, and not have any work or lose that $2 and keep going, right? And I was like, fuck it, you know what? I'll do that. And we were, we were a little slow, but we, we managed to stay, you know, consistent, you know? And then when, 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 when it came back and started getting busy again, I got my, I got my $2 back with a, uh, with a two fifty for the $2 and 50 cent raise on top of it. So it was like, hell yeah, man. You know, they appreciated, you know, I was willing to take my cut, do my, do my part. And then I got rewarded with it at the end. Right yeah. now, and now, fast forward to inflation being out of control and what it is. If you don't receive a 3% pay raise this year, you're taking a pay cut. That's right. That's insane. Yep. But, you know, you you have to look at the big picture of those things. And what, nobody wants to go in and make this political. We're not, you know, yeah. campaigning for one party versus the next. But there's so much in life that plays into that effect. At the yep. end of the day... All these decisions that are made by those that we elect to whatever you know position that they're running for, at the end of the day, the decisions that they make has an impact on you and your family. And it could affect your company. And so the good thing about the private sector of choosing where you work is you have the opportunity to move. But whenever you have things like inflation, like you're talking, there is no escape from inflation nope. for no one, right? And so uh, there's... I don't think any job that is recession proof, there might be some that get hit by the recession at a later stage or to a lesser impact, but you're all going to be affected by it somewhere. So, you know, as everyone's looking for who they're going to support, where they're going to spend their time and effort and actually get involved in things, think about the ones that make the difference for you, your family and your employer. Uh, at the end of the day, all companies aren't evil. All corporations aren't bad. There's good people. There's bad people. And you just need to be able to sort through the bullshit and understand whether people are telling you the truth or not and yep. whether your values align with theirs or not. Yep. Yeah. Everyone's got different values. You no, know? like this, this people, these people over here, they might thrive where the company's actually shit. Right. You never, you never yep. know. And it might not be that the company shit. It just doesn't line up with your values. Right. Like, like you just said, right. They're not just, shit. they're not shit. They're just shit to you. That's right. Right. And it's like, Every everywhere has bullshit, right? Where you know everyone's like, "Oh, I don't want to. I'm not appreciated at this job." Well, how's your attitude, right? Because like, is your attitude affecting how they're treating you? You know what I mean? And 
so on and so forth. You're, you, you know, those people generally tend to have a bad experience almost everywhere they go. I've worked with those guys too, where they're on the, like their sixth job in like the last couple of months. And it's like, shit, man, maybe, maybe it's you, you know? It's kind of back to that romantic relationship thing again, right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe that person that's had five or six marriages. Oof. Were they all crazy along the way, or <laughs> what, what? What's the common factor between all these relationships? Yeah, man. When my dad and my dad and his second wife they split, my dad was like, "Wow, she's crazy, right? She's crazy. Yeah, she's crazy." Well, I I watched that relationship unfold over the course of my life, right? And you know, I was six years old when that relationship started. I was almost twenty when it ended, or I was over twenty when it ended, and it's like. Bro, like you played a hand in that woman being crazy, you know what I mean? Like she wasn't always that way, you know, and you weren't always an asshole either. She played a hand in that too. There's three sides to every story, right? right. But yeah, dude, like no, it's yeah, it's it's kind of nuts. Yeah, it's it's wild. I never really, I never really brought it down or or um, related, you know, the whole relationship with your spouse the relationship with your boss before but that's yeah <laughs> we, we even try to think about that as some of the guidance that what we want to do with the, the software the recruiting and everything that we do for job placement right i think some people that get matching stuff pretty well have been a lot of the dating apps that have come out right because you're able to go through and kind of build you know this checklist of things that you like things that you don't like what you're looking for guess what there's Match.com, there's FarmersOnly.com, there's SeniorsOnly, there's all these other groups, but there's these people that have identified what they're looking for. And there's other yep. people that are coming in that are looking for the same thing, and hopefully they get matched up with something that uh, brings them together. Are we Guess talking what? like a Tinder for like work? For well, workplace? Tinder is another group. Shit. People that are on Tinder have a different motivation than the people that are on Match.com. Oh, But guess yeah. what? There's Two sides of that community all the time too. I guess these days sometimes three and four. And it depends on how freaky you get. But... Man seeking man for position <laughs> at job. <laughs> Swipe right if you think this boss is the one for you. But but think about how people go into those situations. They go in knowing what they want, what turns them on. Right? Oh yeah, that's you're not wrong. So if you're gonna Damn. be honest with yourself and you take that serious. Man, I'm going to take you know pretty serious where I'm going to go to work too. Kind of the same thing. Sometimes I'm going to be happy with just the job that's going to give me the most hours with the most pay for the next two months because I'm at a point of my life where that's what's important to me now. And then other times, you know, I want a little bit more stability. I want to make good money with a good opportunity, but I'm looking for something that, you know, I can have 10 years or more with. Guess what? Tinder and Match aren't the same thing. I'm Project for work Christian retention. Christian Mingle, you know. Christian yeah, Mingle, exactly. Like, get me one of them pastor jobs. Looking for friends with benefits. <laughs> <laughs> looking looking for a, a short term thing, you know. Like, hey, I'm I'm here to fool around and have some fun. Let's see where it goes. <laughs> you show up for a couple of weeks, get a couple of paychecks. Next thing you know, you're invested for twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> it turned out the way I was hoping. <laughs> Damn. Wow, man. That's just blows my mind. <laughs> I love that. What's well, all uh, those simple things, you know? I mean, look, yeah. just like everything else in life, I don't know that we're 
thinking of anything or doing anything that hasn't been done before or you can't take examples from. But whenever you take those examples and experience and you try to improve it and create something better or a better uh, way of doing things, a more efficient way of making decisions, more efficient way of connecting people, then you have something special. And if it's something that's simple, people tend to resonate with it a whole lot better because oh, yeah. it can't be too complicated or nobody's going to spend the time I don't to get wanna, involved. I don't want to think about it. I just want to do it. Right? Like, exactly. Yeah, exactly, man. Uh, hey, I don't want to keep you too much longer there, bud. Uh, Hoss. Yeah. <laughs> I love that shirt. Uh, I don't want to keep you too much longer, but uh, I just got I got one more question for you here, and I and I like to wrap the podcast up with this question, and uh, it stumps a lot of people. So, um, Mount Rushmore has four of the most influential people, or uh, yeah, influential people on it, in maybe maybe the in the history of it, if, of everything. Um, if you could have your own Mount Rushmore, and like four people that you look up to, inspire to be like, or you know, inspire you. Um, who would they be and why? Man, I've not had that question before, so let me think about that for a minute. But uh, i tell you one person that I think should be up there to begin with is Milton Friedman. Milton Friedman, uh, okay. Which he was, you know, great economist and kind of started uh, with his mindset in one place and kind of changed his positions over life. And I think it's a good example, but had a great understanding of ways to make things relatable to everyday man yeah um and so it's a great aspect there um might as well go ahead and piss off a bunch of people i say i'd love to put donald trump up there <laughs> you yeah, know, the first person. yeah. Uh, i'm a big fan of donald trump but i'd really just like to say that to piss everybody off that's against him anyway so he <laughs> number two um Did you see the video that came out the other day about January 6th that the media didn't air where Donald Trump told everyone to go home? He's like, hey, we'll we'll, oh, yeah. live, to, we'll live to fight another day. This is not yes. go home. Go home. This is over with. Right. Like we'll live to fight another day. And 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 the media didn't didn't show it. Nothing. Nobody. Nobody. And it came out the other day. Right. And and that blows my mind that they're they're. To trying to pin that on him is for being an insurrectionist when he's like, "Hey, it's over. Go home." Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. Uh, just everything there. I, I just see that as manufactured division. And he see, seems to be the uh, the figurehead uh-huh. that the people that want to create division, you know, want to point to to make him the you know the sacrificial lamb. In his attempt, that. in his attempt to drain the swamp, he lifted the logs. Right. And and they exposed what was in the swamp. Now, he couldn't necessarily drain it, but maybe part two, you know, you know what I mean? The remix. Right. Um, But I don't like like, talking politics and I'm not really a fan of any side. Right. They're both Mm -hmm. fucking stupid. So like but um, but uh, I'm a big fan as a Canadian of Vivek Ramaswamy. Right. Yes. He said some shit uh, a couple months back. Uh, where he said, uh, "I Donald Trump wanted to drain the swamp. He couldn't do it, but he exposed what was in it. And he's like, I know where he went wrong, and I know where where I can where I can complete what he wanted to do." Now Vivek isn't gonna. I, I pay attention to American politics a lot more than my own, uh, but Vivek, uh, you know, he's not. That's gonna, a whole shit show of its own. He's <laughs> not gonna. Oh, he won't. He won't win the presidency or the candidacy mm-hmm. to run. 
but I think he would make a great um, VP to Trump. So, oh yeah, I hope so. You know, I, I I like a lot of what I hear from that campaign, uh, from his uh, position, and just having someone with a different set of experience coming in from uh, something more than just a career politician. Yeah. Um, yeah, I started out my life. Uh, from early stages of being conservative and I was, you know, really thought there was only conservative and uh, progressive. And that was the only two things and there was nowhere in between. And as I've gotten older, I really kind of started to find out I'm more libertarian, even than I am conservative. I just want to do what is right. Leave me alone. I don't want anyone making those decisions for me and I want yep. others to have that opportunity too. But um in any case you look, whether you're on the left-wing side or the right-wing side of things these days, I think anything that's establishment has such been tarnished so much because there's an opportunity for corruption yeah. for both, both sides, and it becomes this um, self-survival type mentality whenever they get worried about their next position, going to work as a lobbyist, uh, private interest, and all these other things that and if the government would just get out of the way and stop trying to divide people into the different yeah. tribes, yeah, um, man. I think everyone would be a lot happier, you know? Yeah. yeah live and 100%. be free. Yeah. I think yeah. left wing, right wing, they're just two wings of the same bird, you know? I'm, I, I used to be, so back when I was a kid, right? Back in high school, you know, liberal. I was indoctrinated. The school system indoctrinated the shit out of me. And I was like, fuck yeah, right? I get out of I get out of high school. I voted liberal, um, you know. And then the next one, you know, I became part of the working class. Started working and having to earn my shit, paying taxes. I voted conservatives, right? And then I voted, you know, in the middle. I voted NDP, uh, which is uh, I don't know even know how to describe them now, but they're far more left wing than they used to be. Right? This ain't your dad, granddaddy's NDP anymore, but. Um, when they they were more center at the at this point in time, so I I voted for them there and now like I don't even know if I want to vote. Man, you guys have an awesome candidate that's coming up now. The guy who was eating the apple and the reporter came up to him and said, "You know, yeah. why are you such a racist? Why are you such you know this or that?" He's like, "When did I say that?" I can't Pierre, remember that guy. Pierre yeah. Polyev. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I, I don't know. I think I think he's part of the Uniparty. I I don't know, man. I want to be a believer. I do. It's just politics, dude. It's so. I like, dig his style, though. You know, <laughs> I dig his got style. The substance behind it for sure. I dig his style, but yeah. here's the thing, right? He's built his whole his whole image on bashing, just bashing Trudeau, right? And I get it. I hate Trudeau too. I want to bash the shit out of him all the time. Right. But like move away from that style of politics. Let's focus on what the people want and need. Stop bashing the shit out of that guy. Don't make your whole like your whole um, personality about disliking this guy. Right. Like right. nobody likes him anyways. Nobody likes him anyways. Just fucking run your race. Forget right. about him. Run your race. And he's not doing that. Um, he's, he's, he's making it all about bashing the other guy, but also you, if I want to be logical about it, he's done a really good job 
at making the people believe that Trudeau's responsible for shit that isn't even part of Trudeau's responsibilities or roles. And the people are just eating it up, right? It's like, well, mm-hmm. he's not even responsible. That's not his jurisdiction. That's not his responsibilities, right? Like, he didn't do that. That's not him, right? But, like, you can't say that because then everyone's like, oh, you must love Trudeau. You must be a Trudeau lover. And it's like, man, no, I'm just running on logic here, you know? Like, that's right. I don't give a hey, shit. That- that's very similar to the whole Donald Trump, you know, thing that. Can we say that I agree with most of what somebody does and not 100% and be okay? And 100%. not be hated by either one. Just allow me to be myself and, yeah. and tell you what I agree with and what I don't. I had a lesbian on the podcast a few weeks ago. I don't like her politics, but I wasn't, I don't, I'm not, it, I didn't have the conversation with her for her politics. I, think, I like her content. I like her as a person. Yeah. That's right? what it's all about. It's all about that, you know, and, yep. and you know, fuck her politics. Politics are dog shit. But right. she looks at me and probably thinks the same about me. That guy's politics are dog shit. Right? So who cares? They always who make cares? good drinking buddies when you have people of different opinions because that's whenever you really get interesting. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Conversation. But man, that's the spice of life. That's what you have fun with. You should be exposing yourself to people with different mindsets all the time. 100%. You need to challenge those things. There is so much shit these days that I thought I had figured out 10 and 15, 20 years ago. That I know I was wrong on. That's part of the reason I've gone from you know a conservative mindset to a libertarian. Um, hopefully, I don't go all the way to liberal. But you know, there, there, there's been this balance of trying to find a way, and who knows? But yeah, anytime you just kind of surround yourself with people that think exactly the same way, you, you stop challenging yourself. So is libertarian not quite Democrat? Well, libertarian is more. Um, it's not Democrat. I, I wouldn't say Democratic. And look. I think you're going to have probably some people that are Democrats that would more closely align with libertarian than they would with conservative. So it's closer to the middle. For so most that's, of the N- that's NDP. But yeah. Yeah. It, it's straight up. Be free. Think for yourself. Don't be as wrapped up around the social issues and allow them to divide everyone that has. And then, you know, look for principles for economics and things. That, that uh, that's what the NDP to used to be. The NDP here used to be that, right? and then they moved so far to the left, right? Like that's if you were going to be a, a centrist in um, in in like let's fuck when was this 2010? If you're in 2010, if you were going to be a centrist, you would vote. You'd be a libertarian, I guess. In Canada, it would be NDP, right? Mm. But nowadays, nowadays, I think. The conservative government that we have here, like Pierre, is more centrist than anything. And then if you really want to go really far to the left, you go uh, the Mad Max, Max Bernier. You go, you go PCP or whatever. The yeah, that's that is considered like right now that'd be considered extremist, right? Extremists on the right, and then what our current government's extremists on the left. So, yep, yeah. I have my I have my third Mount Rushmore. All right, we'll put we'll put a Canadian up there. Oh, Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson, <laughs> shit, big fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't mind his podcast. You know, sometimes it's hard to listen to, but like sometimes it's not. So yep, yeah, I, I like his his whole thought process about finding challenge, improving yourself, not being too you know tied up, having the um, idea that you're going to learn more in the position that you hold today could be changed to more 
tomorrow based on the evidence that you know is available tomorrow. Yeah, I think that you know, kind of ties back together to so many of the other things that we're talking you know, through. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, man. Like, I, uh, I don't know. There's, there's the, the podcast. I don't know. Did you listen to Viv- Vivek Ramaswamy's episode with Jordan Peterson? Oh no, I haven't heard that one yet. I did hear Vivek on another one, and I've heard you know several of the pieces that he's done, but uh, but I haven't heard that one yet. He also did an episode with the guy that uh, directed or made the Sound of Freedom. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a really good one. That was a really good episode. Actually, I went and go. I went to go see the Sound of Freedom shortly after listening to that. There's a reason why Hollywood didn't want to touch that movie, right? And and now we're finding out why. Exactly. Right? exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, my wife and I just watched it about two weeks ago. Yeah, it's on it's on thing now. Yeah, it's on one yeah, it's of on streaming services. Yeah, yeah, it's on Prime. Yeah. I, I, I really enjoyed that movie. My wife doesn't want to watch it because she's like, I don't want to never be left alone again. Like she wants, she wants some alone time without the kids once in a while. Right. She's like, if I watch that, I'm never leaving them alone. Yep. Yeah. yeah. A chance for her to watch that later. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to make her watch it at some point, but like I, I went to the movie theater by myself to see it. So it was, it was a really good film. Uh, you know, short, uh, like small budget and shit like that. But, you know, it got the point across it, it, you know, it made me tear up a couple of times, you know, it was like, it made me sick to my stomach. Oh, for sure. Yep. For sure. Yeah. yeah man. Yep. So I think I'm going to stop my rush more with just those three. Uh, All right. I have right. a different, uh, a different look to it these days, but I think those would be the three people I would put up. You know what? I recently learned about Mount Rushmore. And I've been asking this question for a year now. And what I recently learned about Mount Rushmore, I can't remember the name of the guy that built it, but it was stopped. <clears throat> he stopped building it prior to World War II because he went away to fight in World War II, right? Mount Rushmore, there's so much room in the rock to add more, but no more will ever be added, right? The son didn't want to continue on his dad's work and the dad figured, you know, like, who really is worthy of being up there now? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and yeah, it was, it's pretty wild. I, I read up on that like a couple weeks ago, actually. I can't remember this name, but it's, it's a pretty interesting story. You should Google it when we're done. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah, man. <clears throat> well, man, I appreciate you coming on and taking your time out. Uh, Thanks for having me. It's been great yeah. to visit with you and catch up. Yeah, man, this is this is great, and I love what you guys are doing over at Boom Nation and the, and the, and the trench. You know, I I didn't realize the two were intertwined, right? I didn't know one was the other, right? I I, I was like the trench, yeah. And then when you get looking into it, it's like the trench is Boom Nation, right? That's right. And yeah. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, we have uh, the pages for Boom Nation, uh, the trench, and Long Live the Trades. And so, if you see any of those names coming across. That's all us, all one and the same. All you guys. Uh, pieces that we push out. Hell yeah, man. I appreciate you coming on, bud. Thanks a lot. Well, thanks, Dick. It's been great to visit with you. Thanks Hell for yeah, man. Hell yeah, man. Hey, and hey, stay frosty. <laughs> That's it.